0: Well good morning. It's great to see you guys today. How many of you are on Facebook? Have you seen, have you been on Facebook this week and you've seen the weird pictures that keep showing up where everybody's posting pictures from the app that make them look like 20 years older? Have you seen that? So picture would pop up on Facebook and I'd be looking at I'm like, I think I know that person. (laughs) <laughs> right? And then I realized, because there's like a hundred of them, so then I realized, oh, something's going on, and uh, everybody's posting these pictures, and I'm looking at those pictures, and I'm like, I'm not going to do that. That's crazy. I don't even want to know, right? I don't want to know. And so finally, I, I got worn down, and I felt like I need to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go ahead and do one of the the do the app where it makes you look older. So um, this, this is the right now, so it's not a picture, all right? But... <laughs> I mean, wow. You know what I discovered? Two things. One, in 20 years from now, I'm going to have more hair than I have right now, right? And not only that, but I look amazingly like the Dosakis guy, all right? So, uh, uh, it's it's awesome. It's awesome. So, it didn't turn out as bad as I I should probably... Yeah, it didn't turn out as bad as I thought it was going to, so... Let's move on. Please take that down because that's just awkward. All right. So, (laughs) we've been in a series called Hot Topics, and we're talking about some big questions. So, in week one, John Cogan brought two questions because he's smarter than we are. All right. And he brought two questions. One, how do you know that Jesus was a real person that existed in history? And how do you know the Bible's a word of God? So, on our website, if you want to go back and see him, you can. He answered those questions. Last week, Pastor Darren answered the question, why does God allow suffering? Huge question, right? Why does God allow suffering? In fact, when I've talked with many people uh, that are searching for that relationship with God, that's the question many times in their mind. And today we're going to answer the question, is God really there? People generally want to believe in God, uh, but have reasons that cause them to have doubt. And many people think, well, I'm doubting God, but, and, uh, but they're really not doubting God. Here's what they're doubting. They're doubting a distorted image of God. Either one that they were told who God is, or one the culture told them who God is, or one that the, the TV told them who God is, or some religious thing told them who God is. They're not really, and, and I would propose to you, they're not really doubting God, they're doubting a distorted image of God. How many of you can remember when you had to watch TV shows the one time in the week that they were on? Let me see. The one time in the week, the younger ones are like, what? That was barbaric. I mean, you know, can't imagine. One time in the week, our show, our favorite shows were on. I had a few of them. One of my favorite shows was Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. Can I get a witness? All right. We got Bo, we got Luke, we got the General Lee, which is my favorite part. I mean, who gets to go jump cars around, right? I lived in Roswell, so it was a pretty boring town. So you needed something like that. I'm thinking, I'm going to get one of those cars and I'm going to jump it someday, which later did happen, but we don't want to talk about that right now. (laughs) And so I'm watching the show and, of course, um, Boss Hogg and there's all the drama. And I don't, I probably shouldn't say it, but... Daisy Duke didn't hurt anything, alright, on the show, and so I'm at home, and my favorite show of the week is about to come on, and the doorbell rings, and it was our pastor of our church, so you may think this is funny because I'm a pastor now, but I didn't really even like our pastor, alright, so... I thought he was kind of a scary dude. He was always sweating and he was always yelling and, you know, he would have never put a funny picture of himself on the screen, I assure you. And so he's at my house and I'm like, well, that's all right. He's here to talk to my mom and dad. Oh, no, he's not here to talk to mom and dad. He's here to talk to me. And uh, he doesn't know that my favorite show's on. And then it won't be on again until next Friday night when it comes on again at 7 o'clock. Because he don't know, right? So he comes in and the first thing my mom does was, walks over, click, she turns it off. There's no remote controls, okay? Oh my gosh, I'm sitting there and there's a clock in the, in the room we're in and I'm watching the clock. And it's clicking by and it's clicking by. And he was, he was a good guy, he was there, I was having some health problems, he was there to check on me and he's just talking and he's talking and then my dad starts talking I'm like, oh good Lord, we're going to be here all night, right? And then my mom starts talking and so pretty soon it's about time and it's 8 o'clock and my favorite show is over now, okay? It's over and it's gone for a week and I remember being so upset about it, I was like, I just can't believe it, I can't believe you'd come over here to pray for me during my favorite show. Some of you are, are, are like that. So here, here's the thing I want you to, to think about that compared to today. Today, we have everything on demand. Your TV's on demand. I hardly ever watch a show that's not recorded now. Sometimes, but rarely. I don't watch sports that are not recorded because it takes too long. Everything we watch, TV, movies on demand. How many of you have used Grubhub? Let me see. Yes? Thank you, Mark, in the back for confessing. You can go, if you get a Taco Bell craving, you can call them and they'll deliver it to your house. How awesome is America, okay? (laughs) How awesome is America? So look, on demand, I don't have a problem with it. I think it's great. Um, It's great until. And so the problem comes when we take our on demand mindset and our on-demand lifestyle, and we place that on-demand lifestyle on God. The problem comes when we expect and want God on demand. And I think most people uh, in our part of the world, most people have some type of a belief in God at some level, and uh, at least until life happens. They have a belief in God until maybe a divorce comes, or until they get sick, or until they lose a job, or until someone wrongs them, or hurts them. Sometimes you pray, have you ever done this? You pray about a situation, and you see something good come out of it, and you think, wow, I mean, that was God. God intervened, God worked in that person's life, he worked in the situation that I'm dealing with, God was there. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because I already know what it would be, but other times you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray and you're still waiting to hear an answer. You're still waiting to see God intervene. There's someone in your life, your family, your work, your job, what it, all kinds of categories. We're praying to God, we're talking to God, we're still waiting on God to give us an answer. And then then it happens. We start drawing some conclusions. Our culture, especially, starts drawing some conclusions, which affects us. If God didn't respond when I prayed, then maybe he isn't powerful. Or maybe he isn't good. Or maybe he doesn't care. And if you really get to the point, you can get to a point where you say, maybe this is all just a sham. Maybe he doesn't even exist. We all have that. People that like, like that at our work, in our families, in our circle. Maybe right here today. And we struggle with it. It's a real question. And what we're really asking, the question we're, we're really asking is, where is my on-demand God? I can get everything else in my life on demand. Why not him? And here's my answer. On-demand God doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. That's the problem. We have it. It's a unique feature of a time that we live in that we can have that on demand in so many areas of our life and we keep trying to apply it to God and it's not there. Here's a big truth, a big theological truth that I want you to grab a hold of today. That's a basis of everything else I want to talk about It's this, God doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to serve Him. We're not the main character in the Bible. God is. God is not our celestial sugar daddy who delivers whatever we want, when we want it. God is not a genie in the sky who gives us three wishes. God is not a cosmic vending machine where you put some money in and what you want pops out even though that's what's on TV, religious stuff every day. We exist to serve him. He does not exist to serve us. Here's a great, great question. Who is God? Who is God? And here's my answer. God is who he said he is. He's not who I say he is. He's not what some religious whatever says he is. God is who he said he is. He said he is the creator, and we're the created. He said he is the potter, and we're the clay. He said he is the Lord of all, and we are his people if we choose to be. Our God doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to serve him. It's a huge concept. This is straight out of the Bible, straight out of the Word of God. So if he's not on demand, God, then who is he? If he's not here to do uh, whatever I want, whenever I want him to do it, wherever I want him to do it, then who is he? And I want to give you today three things that I think you and I desperately need to know about God. Not only do you and I need to desperately know these three things about God, when you're talking about God to the people that live in the world, that, the on-demand world that we live in, this are, these are three answers to questions that you're going to get and could get all the time about God. And you're not trying to convince anyone, but you need to have something to share. You need to have something that's true from the Word of God to share. So three things today we need to know. The first is this, God's heart is always loving. God's heart is always loving. Uh, I'm taking a lot of surveys this morning, so here's another one. How many of your parents? Let me see. Parents, raise them high. Good. We got people that relate all over the place. Here's what I know about most parents. Most parents love their children. We might want to ship them off once in a while, alright, but we love them. We love them. And, and there are times that even though you love them, there are times that even though you have the power to do what they ask, and even though you love them, you don't do everything that they want you to do, right? Am I right? Yes. Look, so why? Why is it that even though we love our kids, and even though we have the power to do Much of what they ask, maybe all of it, why do we not do everything our children want us to do? It's very simple. Because it's not always what's best for their life. When I was growing up, if I came and said, Mom, you know, I don't want to go to school today, there was a really simple answer to that. Huh. (laughs) Right? Well, that's too bad because you're going to be in school today. If I would have been able to opt out and never go to school ever, trust me, that would have been my my choice. I never got that cooperation from mom and dad, especially from mom. Didn't ever get it. And look, here's what we need to know about God. I want you to look at Romans 8 with me. One of the greatest, one of the deepest chapters of the New Testament, Romans 8, "'Who shall separate us from the love of Christ?' What a great question. Paul asks the question and then he answers it. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? What's the answer? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who what? Who loved us. Today we might say, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Financial trouble, or relational trouble, or unemployment, or cancer, or depression, or divorce, or bitterness, or resentment, or a whole long list of things. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that, what? Loved us. This is the truth that Paul is driving home. God's heart is always loving. But God doesn't prove his love for us by always doing what we want. Here's how he proves his love. Romans 5.8 But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, what happened? Christ died for us. Aren't you glad it says why we were still sinners, why we were still struggling, why we were still in our unbelief, why we still didn't have our act together, why we still didn't understand, why we still didn't know God, who He was, what He thought, didn't didn't know why anything was happening in our life, why we have all those doubts and fears and problems, while all that is taking place in our life, Christ died for us then. I think the world believes that the answer is that when you get your act together, then God will love you. And when you become a good person, then God will love you. Or when you become a religious person, then God will love you. There's just one problem with that. That's not what the Bible says about who God is. The Bible says that God's heart is always loving. And that while we were still sinners who knew nothing, God loved us. And Christ died for us. Number two, the second most important thing, desperate thing that we need to know, desperately need to know about God, is that God's ways are always higher. Because I'm a pastor, people have often asked me questions like, well, why is God allowing this to happen? that's a big question it's a common question I meet with people a lot we talk the lot about things in life and uh, I don't mean to disappoint you but most of the time my answer is I have no idea why <laughs> I don't know why God allows birth defects or heart attacks or abuse or a thousand other things I don't know So I have to embrace this truth. I have to come back to what what does God say about who He is? What does God say about who He is that matters to us this morning in our life right now? Here's what He says in Isaiah 55. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, or your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth... So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Some of you are going through a difficult time right now. And you hate it. And you may need to go back and listen last week as Pastor Darren did an amazing job of laying out why does God allow some of these struggles? Why does God allow suffering in our life? But I want you to, I want, in fact, I would encourage it. You may be in a situation and you hate it. And you really want it to end. You you want it to end immediately. But here's, here's my answer to that. Right now, we just want it to be over. But later on, later on, at some point, at some time in your life, you're going to be able to see what God did. Sometime, at some point in your life, you're going to be able to see that God had a greater purpose for your life. When I was preparing for this message and I was remembering that story of the pastor coming over uh, when he came to visit me, I was 13. I'd been in a wheelchair for 13 years. I had somewhere between 40 and 50 fractures and I was in a bed. I was bedridden at that point, and I was going to be for at least 5 months, I had plaster down both my legs and up to my armpits. I couldn't go to school, I couldn't fit in a wheelchair, I couldn't fit through a door, I couldn't ride in a car. I could not leave the room that I was in. And I'm tell you, I was hating life. I was hating life. I could not wait, all I could think about was when I would get better, when I would get healed. In four months or five months I'd get the cast off. Four months came, I went to the doctor, I went in, they took off the cast. He said, one of your legs, your femurs is is healed, it's ready, the other one is not. So after four months I went in and I expected to get out of that giant plaster contraption and instead I left in a new one and I can tell you I felt so down so disappointed so much of just uh, the despair of my situation and there is nothing I could do about it here's what I didn't know at the time what I didn't know at the time was that God had a greater purpose for my life. What I didn't know at the time was that God was at work in my life, He was at work in my heart. What I didn't know at the time was that that would be the last fracture that I had. What I didn't know at the time was that in a year I would be on crutches, and in another year I would be walking, and I wouldn't need a wheelchair anymore. Almost never. What he didn't know was that God was going to take care of my health problem on his time in his way because he had a greater purpose for my life and he was using the struggle that I was in To grow me up on the inside. To teach me how to think and act and feel and believe in something greater than myself. And that's what God did. You can give the Lord a hand. Listen to me folks. God desires to reveal himself to you. I promise you. That is why we have creation. That is why we have the word of God. That is why Jesus came. That is why the Holy Spirit comes to us. It is to reveal to us who God is. And he desires to work in your situation right now. Regardless of what it is, I promise you. He is trying to grow you up. He is trying to strengthen you, not hurt you. He is trying to change your heart, not just your situation. And I thank God every day that God worked in a way to change my heart and my mind and not just my circumstance. Because had He not done that, I assure you, I would not be here today. I would not have spent 32 years in this church. It would not have happened. Folks, God has a greater purpose for your life. That I know. That I know for sure. So whenever you bump into the truth that on-demand God doesn't exist, you must remember what's true about God. His heart is always loving. His ways are always higher. And the third thing we desperately need to know about God today is that His presence is always enough. It's always enough. If you're sort of a marginal Christian, and I'm not going to define what that means. I'll let you define it. If you're kind of a marginal Christian, please listen to what I'm about to say. You are settling for far less than what God has for you. You are settling for far less than what God has for you. You are settling for what the culture says is best. For what your own emotions may say is best. For what your own feelings of loneliness may say or best. For what someone around you may say is best. You are settling for less than what God has for you. What God has for you is so much more. So much greater. When you become a fully devoted follower of Christ. Which means this. When you start truly pursuing Him. When you start seeking His kingdom first. When you want your life to count for something more than just making a living or having a good time. When you're feeding your soul on his word. It's then that you will begin to experience God's presence in your life, in your heart, in your family, in your circumstance, in whatever the situation is. It's then that you will begin to experience his presence. Amen? Many of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You will begin to recognize that he is always with you, and that he will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. There may be days when you're you're asking the question, God, are you there? I mean, are you paying attention? That's okay. I'm not telling you it's not okay to ask. But I'm telling you this, this is what's going to happen. After you've walked with him, after you've been a devoted follower of Jesus, one day when something bad happens, and it will, because you know him so well, you will say, I don't have to worry about what's going to happen to me. Why? Because I know that God is with me. And I know that his heart is always loving and his ways are always higher and his presence is always enough. I know it now. I know it not just because Pastor Tim said it. I know it because I've experienced it. We just wrapped up a series on the life of David where he eventually got to this place with God. You remember his story, the shepherd boy? He gets picked to be king. He shows up and Goliath is, you know, calling out God, God bad names, and calling on the people and telling them all these threats. He goes out, he takes care of Goliath, he becomes a national hero. Saul gets jealous. Saul decides he hates David now, and he pursues David. Listen, he pursues David for years, trying to kill him, And David's like, I thought I was going to be king. I thought I was going to be the next king. I thought I'd been selected. God used me to take out Goliath. Why is all this happening? And when you read the Psalms, David is, that's his questions. He threw hundreds of questions to God. If you have questions, read Psalms. Read David's questions. He threw them out. He's like, why are my enemies still here? Why are they chasing me? Why is Saul pursuing me? God, why do the wicked prosper? Why is it that seems like their life is better than my life? God, are you listening to me? Why aren't you hearing my cry? Why aren't you changing my situation? And you will see David crying out to the on-demand version of God over and over and over again. And then at some point, you'll see that stop. And he doesn't cry out to the on demand version of God anymore because he finally got to the place where he realized that on demand God does not exist. And here's what he does He says, Your will, Lord. Your will. Not mine. He says, I know, Lord, that you're here. I know you're present. I know you're with me. I know you have a plan. I know you have a greater purpose for my life. I know that you're never going to leave me or forsake me. He did not get there automatically. He did not get there overnight, but he got there. And that same David that asked all those hundreds and hundreds of questions eventually penned these words in Psalm 23, 4. He said this, Even though I walk through the darkest Valley, I will fear no evil, for you are what? You're with me. Why will I not have fear? Because now I understand that you're with me. I think for many of you today, that is the number one most important thing you need to walk out the door with today, is knowing... That God is with you. Your circumstance has made you doubt. It's made you question that. It's made you wonder. But what God says about himself, what David experienced about God, was that God was with him. When I was young, I thought that the place I would experience God's presence the most would always be on the mountaintop. And I have had mountaintop experiences with God I've had them at camps. I've had them at missions trips. I've had them at my church on a Sunday morning. I had them in the college that I attended. But I can tell you this. What I've come to know over time is that I've experienced God's presence the most in my life in the valleys. It's when I've needed God the most... That I've experienced him the most. Now here's the truth. We need God every day. We need God the most every day. We just don't always see it that way. But it's when you see your need for God. When you see your need for God, that's when you will experience his presence. There are times uh, that God allows you to get to a place where he is all you have. Because until He is all you have, you may never recognize that He is really all that you need. A week ago, I attended the funeral of a dear friend and my neighbor, uh, Ed Blinsler. We got a call that he had passed away on a Friday evening. It was sudden, it was shocking. He had just celebrated his 70th birthday and his wife had just celebrated their 37th anniversary. They had posted all these pictures together. Um, my daughter works for Jody and we were, they invited us to come to their fireworks, you know, watch the fireworks. And, and then he was gone. When I went to the service, I knew there'd be a lot of great things to say, and Pastor Randy Joselyn brought the message, and it was great. What I didn't realize was going to happen was that Jody was going to give the eulogy for her husband of 37 years. I've been to more than a few uh, funeral services. Hundreds and hundreds. And I can tell you that I cannot remember a time that may have happened at some point in my human history, but I can't remember a time when I attended or officiated a funeral where the spouse got up and gave the eulogy, the entire eulogy, her husband or wife that was lost. She talked about how they met. She talked about the journey they went on, their spiritual life. She talked about her faith and the influence it had on him over a long period of time. She talked about all the the things they loved to do together. She talked about all the happiness that they had shared in their life and how much they loved each other. She talked about where he had got to in his faith at this late point in his life. She talked about all of those things and when she was done, something I have never seen before, the audience got up, they stood up and they applauded. They applauded. How could she do that? How could she stand there and talk to a a big audience of people a week after her husband had passed how could she have so much joy in her heart how could she trust God with that because she was there when it happened how could she talk about the peace that came over her the moment that he took his last breath, how could she even say those words and how could those even come out of her mouth? Folks, listen listen to me. The only answer that I can give you, the only answer that I know to be true, because I know her well, and because I know what the Bible says about God, is that she knows truly who God is. And she rests in that. Here's what she knows about God. God's heart is always loving. Say it with me. God's heart is always loving. God's ways are always higher. Say it with me. God's ways are always higher. And the third, God's presence is always enough. God's presence is always enough. Listen. What do you need to know about God in the world that we live in? What do you need to know about God to overcome the on demand way that we approach God? What do you need to know about God to deal with the doubts and the fears and the struggles and the challenges that you're facing in your life? That is what you need to know about God. Because that is what God says about Himself. And he says it a thousand different times in a thousand different ways in the Bible. Is God really there? Yes, he is there. And he is the God who is able to bring about good from every situation for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Whenever you're tempted to say, God, where are you? Do you really care? Are you really there? Remember that on-demand God does not exist But the true God of the Bible does exist and He is so much greater than the on-demand version that we have created. Of all the religions known to humanity, only through Jesus will you see God reaching toward humanity. You will see hundreds, even thousands of people trying to reach toward a God. You will only see one where God reached toward us. Providing a way for us to have a relationship with him. I want to close today with the words of Jesus in the most familiar scripture I think we probably know where he said this for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have what eternal life I don't know where you're at today in your faith I don't know what doubts you're wrestling with struggling with but I do want you to know that this is this is who God says he is Jesus came to reveal God. God became a man so that we could know him. This is what he thinks about you. This includes your situation. Your situation may feel much worse and may be worse than the one I dealt with in my life, but I thank God that he did not just work in my situation. He worked in my heart. And that's my prayer for you today. I pray that you will personally experience God's love, God's ways, and God's presence in your life. If you haven't yet placed your faith in Christ, hello, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Why not now? Why not today? Why don't you bow your head and your heart right here today and say, Jesus Christ, I want you to be my Savior and my Lord today. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for our time together today. And thank you for the truth and the power of your word that cuts through all of the clutter, all of the voices, all of the noise of the world that we live in. And it brings us to a place where we can know you, where we can understand. Thank you, God, that you are the God who reached out to us and made a way for us to have a relationship with you. Thank you, God, for being that God. Lord, I pray today... That you will help us as we wrestle through the doubts and the struggles that we have. I pray today for those who need to place their faith and trust in Christ today. I pray that today, on July 21st, 2019, will be the day that they commit their life to Jesus Christ. And I pray for those of us today that may not be fully devoted followers of Christ, that You would bring us to that point of faith and trust and confidence in our life, Lord, that today we would just place our whole life in Your hands and trust You with it. And I ask it in Jesus' precious and amazing name. And God's people said, Amen.